superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan, warmly joined on this Friday morning by Pat Fitzmorris and by Derek Brown. Fellas, we are running through the key questions for every matchup this week. We are back to having bye teams. The bye teams are the Broncos, the Lions, the Jaguars, and the 49ers. A lot of good players on those teams. So we'll be kind of, even though there's not a full six teams on bye as we had a couple weeks ago, we'll be kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel in some of these matchups. Guys, we'll jump right in. Not too much on Thursday night football. Will Levis flashed at times. Deontay Johnson did get a touchdown. I guess that's worth mentioning. Finally, for the first time uh, since I, you know, I don't, whatever historical landmark you want to use, it's been a long time since Deontay Johnson got in the end zone. So that was exciting to see for his managers. But let's jump into the Sunday slate. We are starting with the Sunday Germany game, not in London, but they are international. It is another early one, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, and it's Dolphins at Chiefs. Maybe the game of the year, although we've had a few games of the year so far this year already. This one looks awesome. It's an awesome slate overall. Matchup previews. My key question here, we have two super fun offenses going to be an amazing game. So rather than like a true question, I just wanted to kind of have some fun. If we were redrafting our fantasy teams today, in what order would all these stars be drafted? Tua Tungavailoa, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, Devon Achan, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Isaiah, Isaiah Pacheco, and Rasheed Rice. So all the main startable fantasy stars in these two teams. Fitz, I'll start with you. In what order would those guys be drafted if we were redrafting today? Oh, first of all, game of the year. Yeah, this is definitely a candidate. And it's the early morning Germany game. Is it is 830 Central too early to have an Oktoberfest, Ryan? Nope. Is that okay? <laughs> Never. Uh, okay. Mm. Not, too right. early. Just, not too early, Pat. No. <laughs> Just wanted to check on that. Um, okay, Here's so yeah. Here's baby. It's got to happen. <laughs> it's interesting, like, in the draft season, I had a tier of three at the top with Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Christian McCaffrey, and then it was Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Bijan Robinson on my second tier of three. Now I think Tyreek Hill is probably number two, behind McCaffrey and Kelsey is number three right behind Hill. Um, Devon A-Chain, I, I think he would probably be, A-Chain would be maybe a late second rounder, I think, if we'd redrafted. And then somewhere between the third and the end of the fourth, I think he would have a tier with Mahomes, Pacheco, Waddle, Tua, and Mostert in that order for me. And then um, Rasheed Rice, maybe, I don't know, mid to late sixth, early seventh. Does that sound about right? That sounds right. Yeah, so to recap what Fitz said, he had Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Devon Achan, then a tier of Mahomes, Pacheco, Waddle, Tua, Mostert, and then Rice at the bottom. Do you agree or disagree with that, Debra? No, I mean, I, I agree. I think, um, and I'm, I'm pulling on my draft rankings, uh, all draft offseason, I said the conversation for Travis Kelsey starts at the 103 or the 104. 
I think the tra- the conversation for Travis Kelsey now begins at the 101. He's in the conversation with CMC, Tyreek Hill. I had Tyreek Hill as my third overall player. So we were firmly, anybody who was drafting off of Fantasy Pros ranks was firmly in on Tyreek Hill. So I think both of these guys have been league winners right now, like difference makers. Like if you got Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, those were fantastic starts in your draft. The guys that I want to bring up here and kind of talk about is um, Devon Achan. I mean, and Jalen Waddell. Other parts of this mega offense for Miami, I think Jalen Waddell would go much later than where people were drafting him now, considering the divide we've seen created in this Miami offense from Tyreek Hill getting everything, and then Jalen Waddell just has like little spike weeks along the way. It wasn't what we've seen in the previous season between these two wide receivers. Now we've seen more of a chasm between them. So I think that would bump Jalen Waddell into that more of the kind of the fourth round conversation for wide receivers, like those tier two, tier three guys, maybe mid range, low range wide receiver twos. Um, but Devon Achan would be zooming up boards because the entire offseason, guys, we were talking about what the hell do we make out of this backfield? Is it Mostert? Is it Jeff Wilson? Uh, does Dalvin Cook, remember all of that? Does Dalvin Cook sign there? And now we just know, okay, it's whoever was healthy. Raheem Mostert's ball and Devon Achan, that was his backfield before he got hurt. So Mostert and Achan would go much higher in drafts. Like we're talking, I mean, what what sounds right? Fourth-ish round for these running backs because committee split backfield, but still that's a lot higher than what they were going in draft season. I mean, if Achan hadn't gotten hurt, he could oh, he would be a second-round guy if he hadn't gotten hurt. He could have been a first-rounder. I mean, he was unbelievable from week three on prior to getting hurt. Where so, do you think yeah. A-Chan will be next year, Pat? I think that's my best question for you, man, because I know you were you were driving the party bus, man. All the work done comps were absolutely spot on. Do you think he's a second-round pick next year? I do, yeah. Okay. Just a question. That's kind of where I'm at. Second. That's kind of where I'm at, too. Probably, probably mid to late second. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So obviously not a lot of uh, debate here. I think you guys got the order basically right. Um, and, you know, start everybody, sit nobody. It's just one of those kind of fun games that – Will be. I will actually be very happy to get up at seven thirty a.m. my time just to oh, sit down and watch. Can this. we get that clip for social? Because I want that. I want, the, I want that audio clip. I want that ever played every <laughs> single Friday and Thursday morning for for Worm to listen to. <laughs> there are always fun questions around the NFL this time of year, like who are the pretenders, who are the contenders. We're halfway through the NFL season, but DraftKings Sportsbook is still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers can bet just five bucks on anything to get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this November. We've got an unbelievable Sunday slate in week nine, starting off the day with the aforementioned Dolphins Chiefs at 930 in the morning Eastern time. Then we've got Seahawks Ravens at one o'clock, Cowboys Eagles in the late afternoon slate, and wrapping up with Bills Bengals on Sunday night football. Three of those four games have a spread of under a field goal, plus a total set at 46 points on DraftKings Sportsbook. So they should all be amazing games. However you guys plan to bet those matchups, get in on the football action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code FANTASYPROS. New customers can bet just $5 on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 
467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I fought through a cough there on that read, so glad I was able to get through it. Let's move champions, to the early Champions persevere, Worm. That's all I got to say. <laughs> champions persevere. Let, let, let's go to game two. Vikings at Falcons. Key question here is, what are our expectations for the Vikings offense without Kirk Cousins? Debra, I'll start with you. Oh, I, I I will go ahead and say Vikings fans. I I I apologize and I'm sorry for whatever Jaron Hall does to this offense this week. That's about all I can say. Uh, I don't think it's going to be very pretty. I still think you can start Jordan Addison. Uh, he's in that wide receiver two three type of conversation based off of volume. Same thing with T.J. Hawkinson because he is starting at tight end at this point in the season. The volume's going to be there, but we need to pump the brakes downgrade across the board in efficiency and productivity for this entire offense is Jaron Hall, man. Um, and I think we could, I'm not going to say confidently say, but um, Jaron Hall needs to send gift baskets and all kinds of niceties to Puka Nakua for helping him get drafted. So my expectations for this offense are extremely low right now. How about you, Fitz? I would say low too, but um, we also had low expectations for Will Levis uh, two weeks ago. Like people were ranking DeAndre Hopkins in the wide receiver forty area, and uh, you know he smashed in, in Levis's first game. Now I'm not saying that uh, Jaron Hall is the prospect that Will Levis was. He's not, but it's not like Jaron Hall can't throw a spiral. So um, yeah, I'm, like I'm downgrading expectations. I've got Addison in wide receiver three range. Hawkinson, you know, more of a mid-range tight end one, but you're starting those guys. It's the peripheral guys, I think, like K.J. Osborne and Brandon Powell. You probably just can't start this week. But, um, you know, things should get a little sunnier once Josh Dobbs gets in. Not that he's going to equal Kirk Cousins, who was leading the NFL in pass attempts uh, when he got hurt, but at least he should be able to float the value of the Vikings skill players a little bit better and, and Dobbs himself will probably be like a mid-range quarterback too. I don't know if I've missed any news to this effect, but do we think there's any chance that if Hall struggles like in the first half, we might see Dobbs in the second half or is it going to be no Dobbs no matter what do we think? I'm guessing I he's just it. inactive, right? Yeah. Probably, yeah. probably just I, inactive. I, I imagine he might be active as an emergency, but even if Jaron Hall stinks it up, I mean, Josh Dobbs just hasn't been in the building long enough to learn the offense. Baker Mayfield did it last year in, uh, yeah, well, you know, Kings stay Kings. I don't know what to it, it's, it's the exception, not the rule. That's for sure. Uh, this game is a perfect opportunity to talk about this year's fantasy over under challenge presented by betting pros. Each week, the guys will be making over under picks for 10 different players for how many fantasy points we expect them to score. Submit your picks at fantasypros.com slash challenge to play along with the guys. So you don't miss out on the chance to win awesome prizes. One of this week's players is, is Bijan Robinson. His line is set at 12 fantasy points against the Vikings. Do we think he goes over or under fits? That's a good line. I'm going to say over. It seemed like they were um, initially more willing to give Bijan work 
uh, with Taylor Heineke. I don't know. I mean, Arthur Smith is so unpredictable. I'm going to say over, though. Bijan is just, he's really good. I mean, he can do this in 10 touches. We'd like to see him get 15-plus. Don't know if that'll happen, but yeah, I'll say over. What do you think? Debra, 12 fantasy points is the line. Uh, that's a really good line. Um, I mean, I think he's either got to get a hell of a lot of usage in the passing game to go over that uh, without a touchdown, or he needs to score. Uh, it's a really tough screw it. I'm going to go with talent. Let's go over. All right. I hope we see the over. That would be nice to see Bijan truly unleashed here. Uh, let's go to game number three. I mentioned it earlier. Easily the game of this slate of games. Seahawks at Ravens. I'm so excited for this. Two excellent offenses, but also two defenses who have been playing at an elite level in the last month or so, even longer for the Ravens. So my question is, is this going to be a high-scoring, fantasy-friendly game with these two great offenses, or are the two great defenses going to keep this more of a low-scoring affair? What do you think, uh, Fitz? We'll start with you. I'm going to say more of a low-scoring affair, Worm. Uh, nine of the Ravens' last 10 home games have played under the Vegas total. So, um, yeah, the Ravens' defense is ranked number one in DVOA. Uh, Kenneth Walker has a tender calf, and uh, maybe the Seahawks might have a little trouble moving the ball here. Plus, they're uh, the West Coast team going east for the early afternoon game, which tends not to be a good thing for those West Coast offenses. Um, so, yeah, I'll say this one's maybe a little bit lower scoring than, uh, you know, the DFS investors and fantasy managers would like. I didn't I didn't look it up, but isn't Pete Carroll usually pretty good at the going east thing? Like he's he's his teams have handled it well. He he does defy that paradigm a little bit better than some of the other West Coast teams. Yeah. Uh, Debra, what, what do you make of this one? Because the other big games of the week, like Dolphins Chiefs, were expecting fireworks. Bills Bengals were expecting fireworks. This one, I could really see it going either way. So that, that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to see how it plays out. <sighs> I think there's an avenue for this game to shoot out. Do I think that's probably the most likely outcome? No, but there is there is an avenue. Um, and how that would happen, I think Tower Lockett would be a big part of that. Also, uh, the Seattle run, run well rushing attack getting going. Um, because while we're we're worried about Baltimore's pass defense, you can run on this defense. Zach Charbonnet, um, it, it, look, if Kenneth Walker was out and Zach Charbonnet got all the backfield, I think he would have a monster day. Uh, but we, we shall see what that split looks like. On the other side, look, Baltimore, if they're going to move the ball in this game, because Seattle's outside corners, Tariq Woolman, Devon Witherspoon have been playing outstanding football, as well as the run defense is balling. So really... This is the Lamar show. If Baltimore comes out and how they're going to have to move the ball, this is going to be a have to be a lot of Lamar Jackson and a lot of him using his legs. Because I talked about it, not going to be a good matchup or a good day for Gus Edwards in that ground game. Lamar is going to have to use his legs. And the one guy that that if and if you've already read parts of the primer, I had a hard time trying to figure out what to make out of it because if you look at the stats. It's not a fantastic matchup for Mark Andrews, but a lot of times with you see passing attacks going against defenses with extremely good corners, a la how the Rams were playing earlier in the season, Dallas, other places. The way that passing attacks stay away from those top corners is to utilize their tight ends when they have the options, good or elite options. If Baltimore wins this game, if this game shoots out, it could be a big game for Tyler Lockett, Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, because he's not going to draw the corners. Lots of zone defense in this matchup. I think this could be a sneaky, massive day for Mark Andrews. 
I want to throw out a player prop here, and anybody can find mm-hmm. these props uh, for all sports books. But I'm going to use the DraftKings sportsbook odds here. You can check these out at bettingpros.com each and every week. But Gus Edwards scored three touchdowns last week. He's plus one twenty to score a touchdown in this game. Do we think he gets there, Debra? No, I'm not touching that. If he wouldn't have scored, if he wouldn't have boxed three touchdowns, those touchdown odds wouldn't be nearly that close. They're 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 begging you to bet that, and I'm saying, eh, not doing it. Fitz, I wouldn't be opposed to throwing uh, a a little half unit bet on him at plus money. Like, I mean, he is likely going to get the ball if they're inside the five yard line. I mean, maybe Lamar just runs it in himself, but um, I I think plus one twenty or decent odds, decent odds. We've got that early morning international game this week, so let me once again remind everyone to take the stress out of lineup management with MyPlaybook's autopilot tool at fantasypros.com slash myplaybook or on the Fantasy Football MyPlaybook app. Enjoy automated optimal lineup adjustments, giving you both peace of mind and the best shot at victory each week. It's an awesome, convenient tool all season long, but it can really save you with these early games that the NFL is scheduling more and more of every season, so do not get caught with a surprise inactive use autopilot please let's go to game number four cardinals at browns my key question here how does arizona trading away josh dobbs impact our expectations for the cardinals offense debra starting with you downgrades everything i mean look i was not enamored with clayton toon as a prospect coming out i think he could be a functional backup play point guard basically a quarterback but not a difference maker and a guy if you could pressure him it's not gonna be hard to get him off his mark so the efficiency is going to be downgraded for this entire offense. I'm not telling you Dobbs has been amazing, but I don't think Clayton Toon's going to be an upgrade for it. How significantly are you downgrading everyone fits? Pretty significantly. Um, a tough spot for Clayton Toon to have to make his first NFL start in the dog pound uh, with that Cleveland defense, which has been terrific. I know they're a little banged up in spots, but um yeah, just so I like I'm not even interested in Amari Di Mercado after his 20 carry game last week. Like I've got him as a, a kind of a lower end running back three. Uh, don't want to start Marquise Brown. You know, the, the Trey McBride coronation has begun, but I think we should probably uh, put it on hold for a week. And, you know, like I'll be interested in all these guys, of course, once Kyler Murray comes back. Like that's going to be exciting to see what Marquise Brown can do with him after, you know, the great start Hollywood got off to last season. Trey McBride, that's exciting. Even Michael Wilson. But yeah, this week, not so much. So on the other side of this matchup, how do we see the Browns backfield splitting touches between Ford, Hunt, and Pierre Strong, both in this game and kind of moving (sighs) forward, Debro? It's going to be a freaking mess. It's an absolute and total mess because... I would tell you that this is probably a two-way backfield with uh, Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt splitting the most, the majority of the touches. If Jerome Ford was fully healthy, I have no confidence that he's fully healthy. Um, just one more week off of the ankle issue. How he played last week is insanity to me, but he did. So I think we're going to see another like dreaded three-way committee. Um, I don't. I mean, these guys are one of the lovely little spots and rankings where it's like, what the heck are we doing with these guys this week? Because they're all three going to be active. Who knows who gets touches? Who knows who gets the red zone work? Um, Pierre Strong's probably going to break off a long run and bury all of us in the rankings. But it's I mean, it's a mess, guys. It's a mess. Fitz, what kind of split do you expect? Yeah, so last week was really messy. 27 snaps for Hunt, 26 for Ford, 24 for Strong. But um, 
22 of Ford's snaps came in the second half of that game there. Uh, the narrow loss the Browns had to the Seahawks. While Hunt and Strong combined for just 16 second half snaps in that game. So basically the Browns were trying to give Ford a, a light day of work, but they ramped up his usage late in a close game. So I think it's going to be like okay to start Jerome Ford this week. I think he's going to get more work than he had last week. Yeah, it is kind of a miracle that he did play last week, and he, that ankle can't be 100%. But I'm ranking him as a low-end running back, too. Like, I, I feel better about his workload. I think he gets more than the 26 snaps he had last week. Let's move to Rams at Packers. My question here, the Rams haven't scored more than 20 points in back-to-back weeks, while the Packers haven't scored more than 20 points since week two. So which offenses players have a better chance of bouncing back for fantasy managers this week, Fitz? Not to be a homer, but I'm going to say it's the Packers. As underwhelming as Jordan Love has been, uh, I have more faith in him than in Brett Rippon. Which is fair, and and it's kind of the interesting part of this where you know you're looking at the you know the question marks at quarterback with the Rams, but also the Packers just have not had good quarterback play all season. So, so Deeper, what do you think? Which offense are you kind of expecting a bounce back for fantasy managers, if any? I think the Packers make the most sense. A lot of the matchup stuff says okay, Jordan Love, if he can get his head on straight, can have a good game here. Uh, the Rams have quietly been bad versus deep passing. I think this is a really sneaky spot for Christian Watson to get going, as well as we know that they are a tight end funnel. So Luke Musgrave, if he's a little bit healthier this week, the route rate goes up a little bit. He was in the 60s last week. I think this could be a breakout game, a sneaky, quiet breakout game for Luke Musgrave. Um, but on the Rams side, like, haven't we seen enough times where we count Sean McVay out and and the Rams, oh, their offense might not look great, blah, 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 blah. Baker Mayfield, like you're talking about, comes off of, you know, out of the ether and into a starting lineup in one week. I'm not saying Britt Rippian's going to be good, but we still have really good offensive skill players, and all he has to do is get them the freaking ball. Losing Rasal Douglas is going to impact this defense. Jair Alexander is not near healthy. And he's not playing great football this this year. So I think that we could see, even with Ripian under center, we could see a bounce back game for Cooper Cup in this matchup because that is how you beat the Packers secondary via the slot. And I'm going to, I already have him ranked aggressively and I'm going to continue to have him ranked aggressively with Royce Freeman, who led the backfield in snaps last week. It's a fantastic matchup. And if the Rams get out to any kind of a lead in this one, we could see them lean on the ground game because that, you know, you can run the ball versus the Packers and Royce Freeman could walk away with a really fantastic day. Quickly Fitz, where are you ranking cup and Puka this week, given the you know quarterback issues? I've got Cup 10 and Puka 16. I might tick both of them down a little bit. I think those rankings were built in with like maybe a 25% chance that Stafford played. If, if Stafford is scratched, I'll probably move both of those guys down another spot or two. Uh, I've got Cooper Cup at wide receiver nine. I've got I've got Puka. Man, I moved him anywhere from wide receiver 13 to wide receiver 18, 19. It just kind of depends. I'm probably going to have Puka somewhere in the mid wide receiver two range, and I'm going to keep Cup as a, as a low end one. Puka is wide receiver 21 in the expert consensus rankings in half PPR. We talk a lot about what makes winners on this show, and there's one thing all the teams, coaches, and players have in common. Preparation. Planning is key in everyday life, too, and a great way to be prepared for the unexpected is to join Air MedCare Network, America's largest air ambulance membership network. 
Air MedCare Network providers operate state-of-the-art helicopters that can respond to critically ill or injured patients who need emergency medical transport. These flights can be very expensive, but as an Air MedCare Network member, you won't see a bill for your flight only when flown by one of their providers. That's right, you'd pay nothing. You can become a member of Air MedCare Network for just $99 a year. And right now, our listeners get up to an $80 MasterCard or Amazon e-gift card when they join and use offer code fantasy pros that's fantasy pros with no spaces make financial peace of mind part of your game plan visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash fantasy pros let's move to bucks at texans very tough week eight for the entire texans offense off of their bye do we think that was just a blip against what is a talented panthers defense or is there cause for concern for this group in the second half of the year debro i'm not concerned i think look Every offense is every offense has blips every time. Like we cannot freak out. We cannot overreact. CJ Stroud is still playing really good football. So I'm not going to press the panic button. I think this is a, a quiet. I think out of all the games with low totals this week, this is one of the games that I think could be a sneaky shootout. Houston's past defense has not been fantastic. I think this is a sneaky spot for Baker Mayfield to again post really good numbers. Mike Evans could have a blow up game. And as far as with Houston, I think CJ Stroud and Nico Collins could have a really good bounce back week. What do you make of this one, Fitz? Well, Worm, you might recall that last week on the show, you asked if there was any chance that CJ Stroud and his wide receivers didn't smash against the Panthers and their uh, soft pass defense. And I said, well, the the one possibility was if Stroud throws 30 or fewer passes and they take advantage of the Panthers, uh, even worse run defense. And I mean, what's mildly concerning if you are an investor in CJ Stroud or Nico Collins or Tank Dell is that the Tekken, uh, Texans do skew slightly run heavy. Like they are 12th in uh, percentage of running plays at 43.8%. And I believe they have one of the highest rushing percentages on first down, if not the highest. So this is kind of a conservative offense, even though uh, the Texans haven't actually run the ball that effectively. So um, like it kind of lowers the weekly ceilings for Stroud a little bit that you're not going to see him have a lot of 40 pass attempt games. And, And we talked about this too, that to date, Stroud has been actually more of a high floor player than he has been a high ceiling player in terms of fantasy production. Um, So definitely something to keep in mind. I want to throw out a a player prop from betting pros on the other side of this one. Rashad White rushing yards over under is set at 49 and a half on DraftKings and his receiving yards is set at 26 and a half on DraftKings. Again, 49 and a half rushing, 26 and a half receiving. Which side would we rather bet on? Fitz? Receiving over. Mm hmm. Debra, same thing. Yeah, totally with him. I, I would take the under on his rushing yards. If I had to make a bet, take the over on his receiving yards. Can we also have a, a real quick conversation? Because Damian Pierce is banged up here. Um, how much people are going to be jumping into the Devin Singletary kiddie pool this week? And all I'm going to tell people is just just look, those waters are probably not as friendly as you think they are, and you're going to see more Mike Boone than anybody wants to see. I hope that's not true, but I'm guessing it probably will be. Probably will be. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's go to Commanders at Patriots. Uh, key question here. Sam Howell was QB1 last week and has been a top eight quarterback in three of his past four games. We talk about him a lot on this show. Where should he be ranked this week on this kind of hot stretch he's on, Debra? 
I've got Sam Howell as a borderline QB one. I've got him at QB 13. I think the the conversation for Howell starts anywhere, uh, really begins at QB nine. So again, low end quarterback one, I think that there are concerns with the matchup versus the Patriots, but there's also another avenue that, look, we know what the commanders are going to do. They cannot run the ball to save their lives. Uh, The Patriots are good at stopping the run. So the commanders are going to move the ball up and down the field. It's going to be another week of Sam Howell, lots of dropbacks, and we're going to see a lot of usage for Terry McLaurin against Patriots man coverage. So I think low end quarterback one, where you slot him in at, depending on that conversation, it's totally fine. Fitz, Sam Howell is QB 10 in ECR. Where do you have him? I've got him QB 12, and it seems like I'm lower than consensus on Howell pretty much every week. It's just because I'm not convinced he's good. In fact, I'm I'm leaning towards him. Uh, the con- conclusion that he's not good and a lot of that is all the negative plays he has 41 sacks eight interceptions uh you know so he's been the most sacked quarterback and he's one off the league lead in interceptions um and he's averaging seven yards per pass attempt which is 19th in the league where he is shining is in volume Uh, he is number two in the league in pass attempts behind Kirk Cousins averaging 38.5 per game um so that's just a crazy high passing rate Uh, that pumped up volume is obviously increasing his fantasy value, but is that going to change? Probably not because the commander's defense Mm -hmm. is bad and it just got a lot worse trading away Montez sweat and chase young. And uh, as Debro mentioned that the commanders don't run the ball effectively at all. So um, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of pass heaviness continuing here. Um, It's going to be dicey with Howell though. There are going to be weeks where it's just a train wreck and he's Mr. Sack and interception and other weeks like last week against the Eagles where he kind of smashes. Fitzy, you know who um, Hal is? He's basically the reincarnation of Blake Bortles for us. It's like, don't watch the games, but play him in fantasy. You're probably going to be happy, yep. but do do not watch the games yes, at all. That's a great comp. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do want to ask uh, a follow-up on the commander side of this, which is Jahan Dotson finally had a breakout game, eight catches, 108 yards, one touchdown against Philly last week. Is there more of this to come moving forward? And I will mention Terry McLaurin did still out-target Dotson 12-10 to 10 in that game. Fitz, what do you think? Yeah, McLaurin is really the only reliable source of weekly targets. Otherwise, things kind of fluctuate with the rest of the commanders. And I'm skeptical. I mean, it was the first time all year that Dotson has had more than 40 receiving yards in a game. Also his first touchdown of the year. And it came against the Eagles who have been letting wide receivers run absolutely wild on them. Uh, The Eagles have given up the most fantasy points per game to wideouts this year. So I can only get so excited about a receiver with a, a, like a 17% target share. Yeah. Debra, what do you think about Dotson kind of moving forward again? A guy people were really excited about in the preseason just hasn't panned out till now. Talked about this in the primer. Do not chase the points of last week. And this all comes down to the coverage that he's going to face. Man coverage heavy Patriots defense against man coverage. Jahan Dotson's target share has dropped to a beautiful. It's not beautiful at all. 10.9%. That is horrible. That's wide receiver four slash five territory. And it's not going to get better. So he gets the man coverage heavy Patriots this week. After this week, Seattle, they're zone heavy, but their outside corners are playing extremely good. After that, his next two matchups are against the Giants, top five man rate, and the Dallas Cowboys. 
They're top three in man coverage rate. So Jahan Dotson, I, I try to tell people in the primer, try to tell people on previous shows this week, do not chase the points. You're going to be very, very sad if you play them this week. If you need new tires for your car, Discount Tire is your go-to. They have exceptional service, and you get a 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. They have this really cool feature called Treadwell, which is an online tire buying guide that gives you transparency on tire performance, as well as personalized recommendations based on your location and driving habits. Discount Tire is also the largest independent tire retailer in the country, so it has the biggest selection of tires and wheels. And here's a pro tip from the experts at Discount tire you can prevent wear and boost gas mileage by keeping your tires properly inflated tire pressure supports the weight of your vehicle and is important to check for safety so if it's been over a month since you last checked your tire pressure stop by one of their local stores for a free tire safety and air pressure check discount tire let's get you taken care of guys let's go to game number eight here bears at saints Major signs of life from the Saints offense last week, including big fantasy performances from Alvin Kamara, Rashid Shahid, Derek Carr, even Taysom Hill. And yet we're still waiting on the true big breakout game from Chris Olave this season. Is this finally the week fits? We have no beef with the target totals Chris Olave has been getting. It's just he and Derek Carr have been so close to connecting and it just hasn't happened there was a play last week that i thought was pretty emblematic of the uh car alave disconnect where um alave should have had a walk-in touchdown was unable to track the ball while it was in the air and it literally hit him in the helmet and uh like that should have been an easy touchdown for alave um but yeah I, i do think we could see it this week as i said like the target totals for alave have been what we want is going against the Bears, who are 31st in DVOA against the pass, 10th in DVOA against the run. So it makes sense that the Saints would be pass-heavy in this game. And I I don't think you need to talk the Saints into being pass-heavy since uh, we've seen Carr throw 50 or more passes in two of his last three games. He's been chucking it at a Sam Howell-like rate. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's a good chance he and Olave click this week. Debra, you're the Saints guy. Do you think this is the week for Olave? Sign me up, baby. I think it's Chris Olave breakout week. Uh, All the parts or pieces of this offense are starting to get right. And yes, I mean, Fitz could not have have explained that any better. I mean, the flub up of the the freaking ball hitting him off the helmet. It just felt like the, the absolute apex of how bad when things go wrong, how bad and how wrong can they go for Chris Olave? I think this is the matchup where we see him smash. I think it all kind of comes together. The Chicago Bears secondary, the only corner that I'm worried about in that secondary is Jalen Johnson. Chris Olave is going to run 63% of his routes away from Jalen Johnson's coverage. And against zone coverage, which the Bears run at a top five clip, or excuse me, top 12 clip, Chris Olave has seen his air yard percentage increase to 42.6% as well as the Bears' secondary struggles against the deep ball. They're 10th in yards per attempt and 14th in deep adjusted completion rate. So fire up Chris Olave, fire up Rashid Shahid. Another big game is incoming. I think the Bear, uh, the Saints are going to go pass happy, and we're going to see another t- another QB1 performance out of Derek Carr because people don't want to talk about it, man. He's been a top 12 quarterback. He's QB11 over the last three weeks. It ain't been pretty, but he's getting it done. Speaking of Rashid Shahid, let's go to another betting pros over under challenge here. Shahid is coming off a hugely explosive game in week eight. His line this week is set at just eight 
fantasy points against over. the Bears. Over. Do we Give trust him over. to go over that over. mark? Debro, before over. I even gave the line, was pointing upwards. Over. He's going over. Over. Uh, Fitz, what do you think about that line? Yeah, I'll go over too. A guy who over. does not need a lot of targets to um, strike it rich uh, in the fantasy points. Um, yeah, like I think he is going to go over this pretty easily. Let's move to the late afternoon slate here. A couple of not so exciting games and one great game. We'll save the great game for last. Game number nine, Colts at Panthers. Now, my key question here involves Josh Downs, who did come out yesterday, was uh, limited or or did not practice. I forget if he was limited or didn't practice at all. Um, Colts, but, you know, for the purposes of this, we'll assume he plays. Josh Downs has been wide receiver 10 and half PPR scoring across the last four games. Michael Pittman has been wide receiver 13 in that same time. Again, wide receiver 10 and 13 in the last four games for these guys. Who do we like better both this week, again, assuming Downs plays, and also who do we like better moving forward, Fitz? Downs is really good. One of the pleasant surprises of the 2023 fantasy season, but I have to go with Pittman here. Um, Mm -hmm. Double-digit targets in five of his eight games this season, and he scored touchdowns in two straight. Um, I think he's still the alpha receiver in Indianapolis. Debro, how do you you know kind of split between these two going forward, and also this week if Downs plays? I mean, really, it's been as simple of what does the team do that they're facing? They man coverage, they zone coverage. Like what what happens here? And we're facing a Panthers secondary that it runs the second highest rate of zone. So I think it's Michael Pittman week, baby. Uh, I wrote this up in the primer: twenty six percent target share. His first read share against man drops to twenty six point nine percent. You put him against a zone defense. Good lord. 36.3% first read share. Pittman's going to have a day. Whether or not Downs plays doesn't matter. He's going to lead the team in targets. He's going to have a monster outing. Follow-up question, sticking with the Colts side of things. We talked about Jonathan Taylor taking back control of the Colts backfield a couple weeks ago. Week 8 was another case of him and Zach Moss essentially splitting carries 50-50. How much longer is that going to continue? We did see Shane Steichen talk a little bit about just kind of like playing the hot hand and that Zach Moss playing well is the reason that Taylor hasn't retaken over this backfield. But do we expect that to be an all-season thing? I mean, it keeps being – it's not even like – Moss is eating into the carries. It's been very close to a 50-50 split. So, Debra, how much longer is this going to continue? It stops this week. And I think that Shane Steichen is is the way that he's phrasing this to the media, again, giving respect to what Zach Moss has done and continues to do for this roster and this backfield. You're not going to besmirch the man in the media. You're not going to sit here and talk up Jonathan Taylor because on the other side of it, out you know, out, out of your mouth comes oh, well, Jonathan Taylor's going to be the guy. He's so freaking amazing, blah, 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 blah. You're not going to besmirch Zach Moss on the side with that, but this is JT breakout week. I, I, I want Fitz grinning ear to ear. JT is a top three running back this week. He is going to crush the freaking Panthers. I think when you look at what they did last week and the thing that we haven't heard out of Shane Steichen, and I wrote this up in the primer, is this is trying to slowly ramp up Jonathan Taylor because still people don't realize he played his highest snap share last week of the entire freaking season at 61%. I think this week it could go a little bit higher. He could get into that 70% range and the Jonathan Taylor of old that we love and know in fantasy has come back people since week seven, he's top 10 in basically every single tackle breaking an explosive metric for running backs. JT is going to run wild this week. 
Fitz, D-Roll kind of beat me to it, but I was going to say nobody would be more excited for a Jonathan Taylor, you know, full ascension again than you. Yeah, and things are getting good again. I mean, he's averaged 85 rushing yards over his last two games, 5.7 yards per carry. And while he did split carries pretty evenly with Moss last week, he did outsnap Moss 43 to 28, as Debro Debro pointed out. Um, what was weird was that the Colts kind of curtailed Taylor's touches in the second half of that game. And like mm-hmm. I know that had the uh, injury docs sort of scrambling to like look over the tape. And I, I think Dr. Chow looked at it and said he didn't see anything funny for Taylor and thought he was okay. Um, But maybe that's just the way the Colts are going to roll because they are the fastest paced team in the NFL. Like they have the fewest seconds on average between snaps of any team. They're going to run more plays and at such a fast pace. um, I I do think it makes sense to spell Taylor quite a bit with Moss. I I think there is still going to be standalone value for Moss, but I do expect this to be at least 60-40 in Taylor's favor going forward. Fitz, this is is my theory with that one because I I, I saw the same thing on social media all week. It was like Jonathan Taylor exploded in the first half and then all we saw was Zach Moss in the second half. I think it's as simple as this. I think the Colts want to slowly ramp up JT. I think he was rolling in the first half. And they got to the first half and it's like, oh, shoot, he's played this many snaps. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't want him playing 80% of the snaps in this entire game. So we're going to give a lot of moss in this second half and we're going to slowly continue. We're going to pull this back. We're going to do the right thing for JT and we're going to slowly continue the ramp up because right now, good Lord, if we keep rolling him like this and he's playing great, he's going to play 80% of the snaps and we don't want that. So the slow ramp up continues. I think it's as simple as that, but Fitz, do you, do you think I'm wrong with this, the way that I'm surmising or coming up with this? No, I think you're right. It's uh, just unfortunate because I had a JT team that lost by 0.6 last week so uh would have would have liked a little more second half usage but uh yeah i I don't dispute your uh theory of that let's move to giants at raiders key question here are we expecting any kind of interim coach in his first game bump for the raiders offense this week specifically the names we care about in fantasy Devontae adams jacoby myers josh jacobs michael mayer do do we think this first week without josh mcdaniels will be a fruitful one for fantasy managers invested in the raiders offense Yep. I think it's going to be uh, a lot. You're going to see a lot better things. And we're already seeing this. We're seeing Devontae Adams out on social media having fun in the locker room without the wet blanket that is yeah. Josh McDaniels there to sit here and make sure. I mean, he talked about it. He mentioned it. Everybody's walking on eggshells and stuff like that. You're going to see this team play looser. They're also going to play better because freaking Jimmy G is not in the huddle. So I'm not telling you that Aiden O'Connell is amazing, but can he be better? Can he at least get accurate targets to Devontae Adams? Absolutely. I think this offense and this team, we're going to see them more fired up without that head coach on the sidelines this week. Fitz? I think Devontae gets the squeaky wheel treatment this mm-hmm. week and gets a lot of targets and, and fewer targets for Jacoby Myers, who I, I think was kind of a, a McDaniels guy. Um, like, and nothing against Myers. He has overachieved and been terrific this season, and maybe he could still have a, a good game this week. Like, I've got him, I think, wide receiver 30 so I'm not totally discounting him. Um, but when we saw O'Connell start in place of the injured Jimmy Garoppolo in week four, um, Adams had eight catches for 75 yards on 13 targets. Jacoby Myers, two catches for 33 yards on just four targets. And um, as for Jacobs, 
in that O'Connell start earlier this year. Um, he had 17 carries for 58 and a touchdown, eight catches for 81 yards. So he had 139 yards of offense and a touchdown. Oof. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of check down action to Jacobs in the first go around with Aiden O'Connell, and we might see that again this week. There's not really much to talk about on the Giants side, but I just have to mention 39 touches for Saquon Barkley in week eight. <laughs> Absolutely ludicrous. Now that he's officially staying in New York, we're past the trade deadline, of course. Where is he in your rest of season running back rankings? I assume if we think he's going to continue to get almost 40 touches a game, he'll be quite high fits. I've got him RB7 behind McCaffrey, ETN, Kamara, Eckler, Brees Hall, and Jonathan Taylor. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you could promise me 39 carries a game, I, I'd maybe be a little higher on him. The only thing is that increased usage for a guy who has had some durability issues in the mm -hmm. past. Um, there's a, a push and pull with that. I, I suppose you like it in the moment if you're a fantasy manager, but for the long-term health of your player, probably not optimal. So, um, yeah, RB7 seems about right. And I, I think I started him a, a little lower and and saw the usage and just like had to tick him up. I think I was RB nine when I first did rest of season rankings last week and had to bump him a couple spots. Yeah, Debro, he's down at RB ten rest of season in the expert consensus rankings. Where do you have him? I'm lower than that, and and Fitz hit the nail on the head here. I've got him at RB thirteen because that type of workload. Saquon just came out in the media yesterday and said that the ankle issue is going to be a problem for the rest of the season. We might feel good about that type of workload. There is no way he holds up under 30 freaking touches a week. So I'm more pessimistic. I, I'm not forecasting or wishing injuries upon any player. But I, I think in the moment, we're all salivating. We look, oh my God, look at the volume. No running back in the NFL. Maybe Derrick Henry, that's about it, can hold up under that type of workload week to week to week to week, especially when you talk about said player has already been dinged up multiple times this season and has already come out and said, hey, I'm not 100%, but please give me 30 freaking touches every single week. So I'm more worried about Saquon in the short and long term on that type of workload than I think consensus is. Let's move to the best game in this section of the slate. It's Cowboys at Eagles. CeeDee Lamb has a combined 19 catches on 21 targets for 275 yards and two touchdowns across his last two games. Have the Cowboys figured out something with him after a relatively slow start? Can we expect him to continue to perform at an elite, elite level for fantasy managers fits? Yeah, um, I think they figured out they need to get him the ball because he is one of the elite performers at wide receiver in the league. Um, took advantage of a really great matchup against the Chargers two weeks ago. And then last week against the Rams, not quite as good a matchup, but Dak just locked onto him, giving him a, a season high 14 targets this week against the Eagles, who just let Jahan Dotson uh, erupt for 108 yards and a touchdown. Like the Eagles have major issues covering wide receivers and uh, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble with one of the best receivers in the league. Debra, where do you have Lamb this week? Uh, ooh, good question. I'm pulling um, up ECR now. Yeah, he's wide receiver five in ECR. I've got him at wide receiver four um, and I'm, I might bump him a, a shade. I might bump him to wide receiver three, to be honest. Um, he's going to get fed. And 
The interesting thing, and I got some pushback out on social media about this because I was like, look, Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks are droppable. I'm fine with dropping both of them. They have done nothing pretty much this entire season. But the other thing we need to talk about is what Dallas did with their their passing attack. It condensed around CeeDee Lamb. And we've CeeDee Lamb has been out in the media screaming about this. Like, Give me the freaking ball. He's been quietly doing the Devontae Adams like, I just want to perform well. I want to help this offense. How does that happen? Give me the ball. And Mike McCarthy finally woke up and said, you know what? We do have an alpha wide receiver. Let's feed him. So I think CeeDee Lamb is going to continue this type of usage. And for this wide receiver core, you saw them treat this more of as a committee behind him. Michael Gallup's route rate dropped. He was in the 40s last week. Brandon Cook's route rate dropped into the 60s. We saw more Jalen Tolbert. They're using other guys. Jake Ferguson quietly could emerge as the wide receiver too because he's running a ton of routes in this offense and it's really could just be moving forward a ton, ton, ton of C.D. Lamb and then everybody else. And really, that's the best iteration of this passing attack. Feed C.D. Lamb. On the other side of this one is Jalen Hurts, so we'll hit on him as well in the betting pros over-under challenge. Hurts' line is set at 22 fantasy points against the Cowboys. Debra, sticking with you, do we think he goes over or under? Death, taxes, and Jalen Hurts overs, baby. I will never bet against that, man. Give me the over. Let's go. Fitz, 22 fantasy points. Is that too high, or are you still taking the over? No, I'm going to go under here. Um, He's not fully healthy. He's got some sort of knee issue. Yeah, I mean, we could get two brotherly shoves here, and and then I look foolish for taking the under. But, like, Dallas is a tough matchup on on quarterbacks. Um, I think he would need at least one rushing touchdown to get over this, and I'll say no, he stays under. Let's go to Sunday Night Football. Another great game. I just cannot wait for Sunday. Bills at Bengals. Mm Career high 92 yards for Khalil Shakir last week. Can he break out into a fantasy relevant role in this offense, Debro? <sighs> fantasy relevant, yes. Is are we going to see anything close to what happened last week, week to week? No. Um, what we saw with the change of Dawson Knox being out and this why this offense went eleven personnel heavy for so for everybody out there, three wide receiver sets. You saw Shakir get I mean, he was a full-time player, 66% route run rate last week. They had three wide receivers on the field for a season high 77% of their snaps. As long as Dawson Knox is not a part of this offense, he's out. We're going to see that moving forward. I I don't want to sound like I'm just tossing all the cold water on Khalil Shakir because good offense, he's going to be involved in it. But the thing that, that, that scared me when I looked at his numbers and wrote him up in the primer this week was a 3.8% first read share. So I think a lot of what we saw from his usage last week was a lot of matchup dependent stuff. I think we're going to see this is still going to be a Stefan Diggs led passing attack. I think Dalton Kincaid moving forward is their number two in this offense. And then it's a mix of, depending on matchups, Shakir and Gabe Davis. Fitz, where are you at on Shakir? So I like him. I mean, I'm a Shakir truther going back to his Boise State mm-hmm. days. Love the guy and, and how play. exciting he is with the ball in his hands. He's like kind of a mini Debo Samuel after the catch. Like he's just really hard to tackle. Ooh, good um, comp. 
So, yeah, uh, as Debro pointed out, you can't really play a lot of 12 personnel when you've only got one healthy tight end, which was what the Bills were dealing with last week with uh, not only Dawson Knox out, but also Quentin Morris. And I think Morris is back at practice this week. So uh, that's maybe a little more 12 personnel for the Bills, if that's the case, and he does play, um, and maybe a little less Shakir. So if Shakir is only playing about like 60% of the snaps going forward, and at least he has uh, apparently left Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfeld in the dust, which is good because he's a better player than those guys, and and we've been wanting that to happen. Um but if he's playing 60%, like I don't know if he can make it work the way Rasheed Rice is making a 60% snap share work because Rasheed Rice is the second best pass catcher for the Chiefs behind Travis Kelsey. Uh, in Buffalo, Shakir is four at best behind Diggs, uh, Kincaid, and Gabe Davis. And, and we saw Gabe Davis's target total spike last week too. So, um, yeah, like I, I don't think it's going to be totally fantasy relevant where we can trust Shakir in our lineups. Maybe he's a decent emergency option with buys the next couple of weeks, but I, I don't know if we're going to be able to rely on him and, and want him in our starting lineups week after week down the stretch. It sure seems like the bye week helped the Bengals offense get healthy and become fully operational again. And yet it was another mildly disappointing day for T Higgins Higgins has only faced Buffalo once in the playoff game last year. He had three catches for 28 yards for whatever the matchup is worth. Will it be yet another tough day for Higgins managers, Debra? I'm going to say it's going to be a tough day because T. Higgins is not still not fully healthy. Uh, even last week, we did not see him play a full-time role. Uh, he drew an 18% target share, 32% air yard share. Those are good things. But his route run rate was still at 63%. And unless he's drawing this heavy target share, which he can do because who else? I mean, look, Tyler Boyd had a good game and I think he could stack that and have another good game this week. So I'm going to pump the brakes on T Higgins. If he was full time, if he was a fully healthy player, I would tell you, yes, I'm much more bullish on T Higgins this week because the matchup, the corners for the bills have not been playing good football. I don't know if we see Rasal Douglas play this week. I mean, he just got in the building, uh, so I think we're going to probably see a lag week for that, but anyway, he'll play next week. So these corners have been struggling a little bit. I'm more pumping the brakes. I think that we could see more Tyler Boyd as the second option this week, considering the matchup because Teron Johnson's not playing good football as far as the slot corner for the bills. Fitz, where do you come down on Higgins right now? We know at one point we're going to get the seven catch, 158 yard, two touchdown game, right? Mm -hmm. Like the splash game mm -hmm. is coming, but it's, it is possible the ribs are still bothering him as Debro pointed out. So um, it, it's just hard to say when it's going to happen. And um, man, he's just like, he is one of those guys who kind of turns the screws to his fantasy stakeholders because you've got to put him in your lineup, right? He's T Higgins. We know he's really good at football, but um, man, like it's just, you're waiting for that big game to come and it just hasn't. We've had one, but, um, you know, we're definitely wanting more than what we've gotten from T. Higgins. And that one was back in week two. So it's right. now right. a while ago. Um, I do want to throw out a player prop here. Again, this is from DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Joe Burrow passing yards over under 270 and a half. And his passing touchdowns over under one and a half. Do we like either line, Debro? I'll take the over on his passing touchdowns. I think the passing yards is a really good line. 
Uh, I'd be more inclined to take the over for that, but this is a smash matchup for Joe Mixon. So I think we could see Cincinnati lean on the ground game. Um, but yeah, I think the touchdowns is totally fine. Give me the over for the passing touchdowns and I'll stay away from the uh, passing yards. Pat, the line's 270 and a half on the yardage and one and a half on the touchdowns. Yeah, I'm just going to copy and paste the Debro answer. He was pretty much spot (laughs) on there. I I like the over on the touchdowns and not so much on the yardage. All right, let's move to Monday Night Football to wrap things up. Chargers at the Jets. We talked about Garrett Wilson's rest of season ranking on last week's show, and he came out with another productive outing. Seven catches on 13 targets for 100 yards. Is he going to stay hot against the Chargers? Pat, we'll start with you. Yeah, um, I like his outlook. Um, the Chargers are giving up boatloads of fantasy points to wide receivers, and and who else is Zach Wilson going to throw to? But Garrett Wilson, he is my, I think, wide receiver 13 this week. So, yeah, Ooh. I'm pretty bullish. Yeah, Garrett Wilson is a wide receiver 12 in ECR, so he is a wide receiver 1 uh, in half-point scoring, uh, half-point PPR. Uh, Deeper, where do you have him, and uh, what do you think about his matchup with the Chargers? I- I, I didn't think I was going to have him ranked higher than Pat. Pat's been the Garrett Wilson guy on this show, but I'm a wide receiver 11. I mean, we're basically hand-holding here, but this is all to say that, yes, so you're starting Garrett Wilson confidently this week. He's getting all the work, all the work. And I wrote this up in the primer. It, it This just makes me extremely sad, guys, because the entire offseason, we kept asking the question, can Garrett Wilson be the new Devontae Adams for Aaron Rodgers? I think he is absolutely smashed and answered that question in spades this year. Yes, he can be, and he will be. I think Aaron Rodgers will be back next year. So again, if you're in keeper leagues and stuff, and you're trying to make moves to position yourself for next year. I'm not saying you give up the farm for Garrett Wilson, but you need to get him on your rosters because he is going to just crush next season. Back, I want to ask you this because we do have a couple of minutes here of extra time. Back in uh, going after week one into week two, I traded with our friend Mike Mayer, our coworker, uh, in our work dynasty league that all three of us are in along with him. I gave away Puka and I got Garrett Wilson. There were other pieces involved, but is that the type of trade in a dynasty format that you would be on board with making even as much as you love Puka, Debro? Yeah. I mean, look, uh, in dynasty formats, I think they're in the same conversation. They need to be talked about in the same area code. Um, so where people come down on that, I think it, for a dynasty perspective, I love Puka's talent and I love him. The only thing when we're looking at dynasty outlooks that, that gives me a little bit of pause is has nothing to do with Puka's talent. It has everything to do with the quarterback situation for the Los Angeles Rams. What happens with Sean McVay after this season? What happens with Matthew Stafford? So in a dynasty perspective, I feel better about the two-year window for Garrett Wilson than I do about the two-year window for Puka Nakua, just looking at the entire ecosystem around him. Headline on the show, Debro hates Puka Nakua. Sell at any cost. I'm out. No matter what. I'm out. For for Debra, who has now walked off the set, and for Pat, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Again, awesome slate here this week. Super excited for Sunday. We will see you again next week. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, let, let's enjoy some football this weekend. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasypros.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 